first episode of what we hope is a long-running series, Fan Service, a podcast about superhero movies, or I guess comic book movies. Comic book superhero movies. Comic book superhero movies. We are the Brothers Kylie. I am Sean. I'm Jim. And uh, we've been brothers for a long time, 46 years. Decades, yes. Decades. I mean, my entire life we've been brothers. Jim and I, Jim was a nerd when we were kids. And uh, like all kids, uh, all younger brothers look up to their older brothers in some way and idolize. So for me, becoming a comic book nerd was like walking it was just it was going to happen so when uh, i i i want to apologize for that by the way that's okay no so um the concept of this show is that jim and i are going to try to watch every single movie containing a superhero that was based originally on a comic book property of some sort um we are going to leave out I believe the serials from the 30s and 40s because it's too hard to find them complete. So the yeah. the earliest one that we found was the one that we are going to do today, which is Superman and the Mole Men. But before we get into it, we're going to give you a little bit of background. My my first real memories of any superhero movie is when we had one of those free HBO weekends when we were kids. And I, I was maybe four, perhaps as old as five. And they broadcast on HBO the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that when we were kids, we were too poor for HBO, for real HBO, but our parents were too cheap for real HBO. Yes, yes. And as an adult, I have always had HBO because of that. <laughs> Correct. So, me too. So Warner Brothers Discovery can thank our parents for me always, always wanting HBO. 100% correct. I'm not happy with the new uh, the new Max pay scale where if you don't pay a, a higher price for it, you get commercials. Oh, I don't care for that at all. No, that's yeah. I think that is foolish, but I am not being paid eight figures to run the network. So they probably don't care about my opinion. No, no, but they're going to care when I stop paying for it. No, that'll never happen. Oh, so and as far as comics go, um, I blame you. Jim, you for for all of my comic problems, I um, recently went over thirty three hundred comics in the collection. Wow! Um, almost filling. Oh, it's off to the left of me here. Twenty short boxes full of comics. I I uh, I vividly remember the first time you brought a comic book home. Was it Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars number three? Four. Four. Okay. Yeah. So three. I think I think I bought four first, and then went back up to the Seven Eleven and bought number three because number four was the one that had that incredible i think it was a mike zek cover i mean mike zek did the whole series that incredible cover with the hulk holding up a mountain it was it was just the most striking thing i'd ever seen in my life and i had not been a comic book guy like at all until that issue came out and then, and I was, what, what year was that? Was that 83, 84? 84. Okay. It was 84. So I, was thir- I was 13 years old, which as, uh, as they will tell you, the, the golden age of comics is 13. 
whatever comics were coming out when you were 13 were the best comics that you ever read. A group of us, and Sean, I don't know whether you were among us, but there were a group of us that used to go up to the 7-Eleven at, uh, at 53rd and Brady in Davenport, Iowa. I was lurk. not allowed. Okay. We would yeah. lurk outside the 7-Eleven waiting for the the clerk to refill the uh, the comics rack every Tuesday morning. And we would get up there just stupid early and get get Slurpees and play video games and just look impatiently at that clerk. I'm sure that clerk hated us. But every week, every week for years. Yeah, yeah. I remember... Um vividly a lot of the comics from that summer from the summer of 1984 and uh, a quick check tells me that 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 secret wars number four cover was done by bob leighton oh okay okay yeah that that fits yeah. i actually um and this is this is total like geek tangent but i actually read an interview with mike zach because i always wondered why he didn't do the whole thing but he said he just couldn't do it he was already doing another series i think he was doing i want to say captain america but i'm probably wrong uh, but, he he definitely did captain america around that time yeah and what happened was he just he was friends with bob layton and the writer and editor-in-chief at marvel jim shooter was also good friends with bob layton at the time and said Bob, do you want to do these three issues of this thing that's going to make us all kinds of money and royalties? And what's what's the <laughs> point of being in power if you can't, you know, if you can't help out your friends? Correct. So, yeah, and that that series now, I wish I had kept my copies of it because some of them are, are getting a premium at this point. And it's, you know, well. No, it's 30 those, years old, so 40 years those, old. Especially those first few. Mm. We read and everyone in our neighborhood read so many times that, that they looked like a dog chewed on them. Or they they had looked at them that, like that uh, by the time we were done with them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sure they'd still be worth more than uh, toilet paper right now, but maybe not a lot more than toilet paper. Definitely not. I did see a complete set on eBay, uh, all mint condition for $499. Wow. I have the trade paperback. I'm fine. <laughs> I think I do. Yeah. They, uh, if not, let me know because, you know, Christmas is coming. <laughs> right. Of course. So, so I did, I did want to mention just one thing about comic book movies, mm -hmm. um, because while, yeah, I think the, the first, the first comic book movie that I remember like you was that, that Christopher Reeve Superman, which, which was a, a revelation in, in its day. But one of my most vivid comic book movie memories was the the very first X-Men movie as I was an adult. You know, I, 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 I might even have had kids by the time that movie came out. 1999. Um, uh, I had a kid when that movie came out. Was it 2000? It was 99. OK, Certainly. but I remember sitting down in the theater with my wife and a group of friends and whispering at the screen as the credits were coming up. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. And I was delighted. It was good. It was good. Wasn't, it wasn't 
great. It was good, which was enough. Yeah, because the second one was even better. Yes, it was. And and another one along those lines of a uh, a comic book movie. Not I guess it was a superhero. Was Blade. And that I never proved I never saw Blade. The first Blade is an excellent movie. I actually went to see it with with my friend Julia mm-hmm. at uh, Tinseltown in Erie. And we're I'm located in Erie, PA. Jim is uh, in Pittsburgh, but we grew mm-hmm. up in Edinburgh, well Davenport, Iowa, and Edinburgh. Jim, you only lived in Edinburgh for like three years. Eighty six to eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I consider Edinburgh home um, just because that's <laughs> sure. But uh, there's a, you know, there's the theater near us in Erie called Tinseltown. And Julia and I went to see it. I knew what Blade was about. And there's a scene in the beginning where there's all these people in this club. And all of a sudden, the, the sprinklers turn on and they start spraying the club goers with blood. And Julia looks at me and I said, it's a movie about vampires. And she was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, and she, when we got in the car and went home, she said to me, thank you for not telling me what it was about. Oh, OK. Because it made it a better experience. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So I think that's a great way to segue into this movie, which I watched. And I'm still not really sure what it was about. <laughs> The movie was Superman and the Mole Men, also called Superman and the Mole People or Superman and the Unknown People. The Unknown People. Yeah. Yeah. When they they that was the original theatrical name of it in the United Kingdom. And it was the name of the only two-parter for the entire run of the 1950s Adventures of Superman TV show starring George Reeves and Noel Neal and uh, Phyllis Coates and, and, you know, a cast of thousands. This movie, I don't know what the budget was. I read in a couple places that it was like $275,000. Boy, and they put every dime of it on screen, didn't they? Every dime, like, I don't think they put many dollars on screen, but it was, but it was a fun watch. It was at at the very least entertaining for, you know, you have to put yourself in the mind of where the movie was. Should we, should we try to summarize what this son of a bitch was about? Yeah, I think we should. possible? (laughs) Um, I, I think that I am going to. I'm going to let you summarize and I will I will kind of throw in my my two cents every time I I feel like it's necessary for this one. Okay. I did not write up a summary and I have to admit I watched this movie this afternoon for the first time. I I I shelled out of Google Play credit to rent it from YouTube. Um, I believe that this movie can be watched illicitly using secret internet resources, uh, but I actually spent money on it. So uh, as as I recall, the the film opens on a scene of uh, a bunch of miners 
at a not miners, but uh, oil men somewhere in Texas, Silsby, Texas. I think it's, it's supposed to be Texas or California. Silsby is a real place in Texas. The real town is spelled differently. Okay. But it's a real place. And then there is a place called Silsby, California, which is uh, also called Richland, California. But there's no oil there. Okay. So I'm saying since at, at one point, um, either Lois or Clark said, well, we traveled 2,500 miles. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess they're in Texas. Right. So, you know, there's supposed to be, I'll, I'll try and do the summary. So there's a group of uh, oil men who are um, taking down their oil rig and the manager of the oil patch is hiding, burying their equipment, um, but isn't really saying why he's doing it. Everyone is very confused and sad. And then excruciatingly slowly, a car pulls up at the at the uh, oil rig, which is says somewhere that it's the world's deepest oil rig. And it later is revealed that they dug down thirty two thousand feet, which, by the way, even by modern standards, is really deep for an oil rig. And I um, say that that please. foreman there was oddly specific like 32,480 feet. I'm like, yeah. nobody, it was 32,400 feet. Come on. I yeah. mean, nobody it, cares. But, yeah. but he did that a couple of times. It's like, well, we were at, uh, we were at 13,213 and stuff started glowing. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Nobody, yeah. nobody is that specific except marathon so runners. The, the writers of this movie, Robert Maxwell and Whitney Ellsworth, I have to assume that they were being paid by the word. Or possibly by the digit. Uh, anyway, the car pulls up and in the car is the PR man for the oil rig. I don't know why an oil rig needs a PR man. It's um, an oil company's and, PR man. Uh, well, all right. That that does actually make more sense. I, I don't know why the oil well itself would need a PR guy. Well, uh, but also in the car are, of course, Clark Kent and Lois Lane, played respectively by George Reeves and Phyllis Coates. They're it's they're here to do a puff piece about this oil well. Unlike in later portrayals of Clark Kent, the George Reeves Clark Kent is a uh, a take charge kind of guy. He's, He's a not man's neat. man. He's a man's man, and by the way, looks damn good in that suit. Honestly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's even a, the the cockeyed hat that he was wearing. Yeah, like, it's know. a nineteen fifties getup. But I mean, he yeah. looks like a man's man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and he would just like go in and take control of the situation. Yes, <laughs> and at some point we see and i can't remember exactly the timing on this but at some point we see some part of the oil well a lid <laughs> over the oil well open itself up and a couple of mole men yes crawl out of it it, it, it i have to say the one looked like wallace sean in a black onesie just and, and like painted on eyebrows like the one who was on the run the whole time and you know yep. who i'm talking about with wallace sean right yeah it's yes. it's for those of you who are listening and don't know that's the guy who played vizzini in uh the princess bride yes and he's wallace sean has been a hey it's that guy 
for mm-hmm. as long as any of us have been alive. He's he's been a character actor for forever. I don't think it was really Wallace Shawn, but it did look a little like him. Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing I I did want to mention about the um the mole people outfits that these kids were in i do think they were children by the way two of them two of them were children two of them were little people okay okay As i, I looked would believe them up that. on uh, imdb uh, thank you the outfits that they had them in the, the thing i want to point out here is it's 1951 this thing was filmed in july of 1951 <laughs> The Wizard of Oz had come out, what, 15 years earlier? I think The Wizard of Oz was 39. So 12 years earlier. 12 years earlier. So, like, we know in 51 what good makeup looks like. If you think about the witch, if you think about the flying monkeys, like they don't look photorealistic, but we know what good movie makeup looks like. And these guys are the most cheap, terrible, stupid. You you could see the zippers on the back of the costumes in a couple of scenes. Yes, watching it. I, I paused it. And my my girlfriend Val was laying in bed, and I'm laying in bed watching it on my iPad. I'm like, "Hey, hey, you can see the zippers." I thought I was like, I thought this was going to be, you know, like at least a little bit better as far as special effects go. But they're like, yeah. "Nope, it's just a backdoor pilot for a TV show, so we're not going to yeah. dump a ton of money into it." So and, please continue. Oh, that's fine. The moment emerge from the the well they scare the security guard who has a heart attack and dies um everyone in town decides that this means that the mole men and, and i guess some people see them and everyone decides that oh my god these mole men are a menace and they must be stopped they're killing people clark kent and lois lane try to uh like stop the crowd from overreacting and becoming a mob they fail the crowd overreacts and becomes a mob by the way, we're now like 20 minutes into this one hour movie. We haven't seen Superman yet, right. which is fine. Like, that's OK. But this is uh, I don't know. It's only an hour movie. We're a third of the way in. It's possible that while watching this film this afternoon, it was so slow and so boring that I definitely fell asleep at least once while watching it. Again, it's only an hour long and I fell asleep at least once just for a couple of minutes. Anyway, so uh, at some point, the mob chases the mole men out onto a dam and go ahead. When the mole men were on top of the dam, the first thing that I thought of was the dude's landlord doing his dance quintet at in the Big Lebowski. Like they were like dancing on top of this dam. Yes. And I don't know if they were dodging. I think they were dodging, but I don't know. One of the mole men gets shot. Falls off the dam and in the worst uh, special effects I may ever have seen, they put one second, maybe half a second of cartoon animation of Superman flying in front of the dam and catching the mole man. Catching a Uh, dummy. It looked like he jumped off his couch 
that yes. somebody threw a dummy up in the air and he was trying to <laughs> tackle it. And yes. I, I have to say, when Superman was standing behind those people and he took off, it looked like they didn't warn him that they were going to they were he was on wires. He, they didn't <laughs> warn him. And he's just like, what? <laughs> I actually thought that first time you saw him take off where he sort of takes off straight toward the camera. Yeah. I actually thought that looked good. Oh, I thought yeah. that was the best effect in the, in the movie, but low bar. Yeah. That was, that was the entire special effects budget was that yeah. one jump. I think you're right. Anyway, Superman saves the one mole man who got shot, takes him to the hospital. And I don't believe that mole man is seen again until the end of the movie. Right. Because um, they only had two costumes. That, that probably that one is was at is. the tailor. God, that's yeah, that's almost certainly right. I, I, I do want to say when, when it comes time at later on in the in this episode to rate this movie, I am giving it plus one point specifically for the scene when the mob is parading around Silsby looking for the mole men to kill or beat up. One guy stops in front of the barbershop yes. and yanks the barber pole off the wall, presumably to beat a mole man to death with. I give the movie plus one point for that. That was, I put that in my notes. It was one of the funniest things I've ever, like the whole crowd and this one guy just looks at the wall and he's like, I'm going to get the barber pole. I, yes. What yes. An unwieldy and, weapon. <laughs> <laughs> we now get into just sort of this cycle of the mob's trying to get the mole men. The mole men are trying to get away from the mob. Superman's trying to convince everyone not to. I eventually, we get a scene where Superman beats the shit out of the mob single handedly. And I'm yeah. down with that. It's actually pretty cool. And we later get a scene where some more mole men arrive with a gun that I read, maybe in your notes, uh, had been made out of a vacuum cleaner. An, ele um, uh, an Electrolux vacuum cleaner. They made some shoulder braces and they strapped a funnel to the front of it. That And that's exactly what it looks like, folks. They, uh, the mole men... I think are using this gun to try to get revenge on the mob and to save their friend who's in the hospital. Yeah. A little from column a and a little from column B there. I think. Yeah. Superman goes and gets their friend from the hospital, protects the mob, the leader of the mob from the weird alien gun. There's a recurring subplot through the whole thing where it seems like the mole men are um, radioactive but it turns out they're just phosphorescent. Yes. Which, yes. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Like, you didn't, what, what, I mean, you guys didn't want to deal with the possible ramifications of these weird dudes being radioactive. I, I don't know. Eventually, the mole men, including their injured companion, go back down into the earth without ever speaking. Uh, and they blow up the oil rig to seal themselves away as if to say, please, please don't make us be in another Superman movie. And yeah. uh, and, and we get the moral of the story, which mm. I think was, please be nice to mole men. Yeah. And, and I, there were some, <laughs> there was a lot of ridiculousness in this movie. Um, I, 
I pulled out some things that I really love from the whole thing. There's a lot of women shrieking in this movie. <laughs> there's there's three women in this movie. Yeah. And two of them shriek. Like yes. Lois early on when she sees the mole men and she's on the world's oldest telephone. Yes. And and she sees them and she screams and then she's like petrified with fear. And then later on, the, the, the mole men like go into this little girl's bedroom and they're she's rolling a ball back and forth with them. And it starts to glow because it's the 1950s and everything is radioactive. And then her mother comes in and sees them and just gives this startled scream. And it's, you know, we're yes. two out of three as, as far as the women <laughs> screaming. I was uh, I was pretty impressed by that. Yeah, I did say when Superman and the guy uh, in charge, the foreman in charge of the 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 well, <laughs> when he says Superman or Clark Kent says, "You mean the center of the Earth is hollow?" and the guy looks at him and says, is there any other explanation? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> there's lots of other explanations. <laughs> oh, and then um, I have to say, I love the flying noise. Oh, yeah. It, whenever so, Superman is flying. Were you did you watch as a kid the the George Reeves Superman cartoon, not cartoons, the live action the black and white show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Show. Yeah. Okay. Because that that sound of Superman flying is exactly the sound from the show. And that like deep in my lizard brain, that that flying sound absolutely has taken residence and I was delighted by that. Oh, absolutely. And I um I loved that and I loved George Reeves's uh the the crypto girdle that he was wearing under the Superman costume. Cuz he was he was no, let's see. He was born in 1914 and that was 1951. So I mean, he was late 30s. Yeah. yeah. Cuz he was only 46 when he died. Um Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, he he. Uh, there's some some stuff about that that I have in my notes too. Again, I love Superman just getting jerked into the air in this one. Uh, yes, anytime he was taken off, I, I did notice some continuity errors. Was it day or was it night? Oh, I you know I noticed that too, but I noticed. I, I seem to remember a lot of older movies being really bad about that. Yeah, especially like, Westerns. It's, it's nighttime, but you're just going to have to believe that it's nighttime. Yeah, it was. I'm like, is it? I thought it was supposed to be nighttime. They're doing this all. And that chase scene went on forever. Oh, my God. That may have been when I fell asleep. Yeah, it, I guess when they when they cut it down for TV, they took a yeah. lot of that out. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. So um, I definitely called that prospector slash hobo, whatever he was, doing a spit take when he saw the mole man. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I was yeah. like, there's no way he's not spit taking. Yeah, double um, take, spit take. That was that was good. Yes. Um, the doctor in the hospital really, really wanted sex with Clark Kent. Like, if you looked at him, he's like, yeah, that's what we were doing. I'm like, that man definitely is insinuating that they were not working on the mole man. That, man, was, that man has a thirst. 
Yeah, yeah he, he was. And, and I mean, I could say George Reeves kind of a thirst trap. Um, <laughs> I do like when Lois Lois comes in and she's like, Clark, what the hell are you wearing? What, why are you dressed like that? You're not a doctor. You're a reporter. That's right. That's right. Um, I did like when when Lois Lane called the, the mob a lynch mob because it was very. Yeah. Yeah. You know, lynchings were still a thing in 1951. Yes. They still happened in the South. And for sure, S- Superman calling them Nazi stormtroopers. Yep. Which I, I really liked. And they were, you know, the movie was very true to the character of Superman, where it was he's, you know, he's an alien from another planet and he believes in equality and he was, he was not having it. And I, yeah. I kind of think that maybe the mole men were a stand in for, you know, my, you know, X minority, whatever one you want to. Yeah. Yeah. They they really could have been. Um, I'll I'll certainly give it credit for that. I just, I feel like with marginally more gifted writers, a better uh, editor or director, editor and or director, you might've gotten a good story out of this along those lines. And and I will say one of the things that I, I did actually note down here is I thought George Reeves and Phyllis Coates were decent actors. There was a lot of bad acting from the supporting cast. Oh, absolutely. The two leads were decent. Mm. I read something when I was, I looked up um, the, the film was produced by Lippert Pictures and Lippert Pictures apparently was a studio that when um, when the big studios started to consolidate and make fewer, bigger movies, um, Lippert Pictures kind of swept in and picked up a bunch of B and C level actors who were going to be out of work because the bigger studios were making fewer pictures. Um, like Veronica Lake was one of Lippert Pictures um, people, um, along with George Reeves, Phyllis Coates, um, sure. and, and many, many others. And uh, um, with, with, I'm sorry, with George Reeves, one thing I'll say was he was in two movies that won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Really? He was in Gone with the Wind. And he yep, was yep. one of Scarlett O'Hara's suitors at the beginning of the movie. And yep. he was in From Here to Eternity. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was part of his bio. And he acted from the time he was 16 years old um, until right up until his death uh, in wow. 1959. He had um, he had really moved on to doing TV. And in the 50s, TV was slumming for actors. Right. Right. And um, he died under very mysterious circumstances in his home. Uh, He was shot. They don't know if it was suicide, if he was murdered. He was having an affair with the wife of the head of one of the studios who was apparently mobbed up. Ah. So we think that uh, we think um, they think that maybe (laughs) uh, he he were murdered. And then uh, Phyllis Coates died. Yeah, it was yeah, really recently. Yeah, October 11th, 2023. She was 96. Yeah. I'm sorry she didn't live to hear this podcast, I'm sure. I'm sure she, she would have been proud. 
she had a great scene when those two guys were holding her and she kicked the one in the shins and he let her go. And then she turned around and punched the other one and ran away. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Lois Lois didn't put up a shit from anybody. (laughs) So, so I wanted to mention one other thing, and this is a thing that I want for us to do on the future episodes of this pod as well. (laughs) And that is, please don't laugh. The Bechdel test. The Bechdel yes. test for those who don't, um, who who aren't extremely online, is in this movie. Are there two women who say lines to each other about something other than a man? Now, Alison Bechdel, who's a who's a cartoonist who originally suggested this, suggested it as a joke. But it actually turns out to be remarkably telling about these movies. And of course, Superman and the Mole Men, having been made in 1951, fails the Bechdel test uh, on every level. There are multiple women in the movie, but I believe the only one who has lines is Lois Lane, uh, unless you count a scream as a line. The nurse Um, in the hospital is like, I'm not going in that operating room. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Everybody, even though they're in Texas, they all spoke with that 1950s transatlantic accent. (laughs) Yes. Like they were all Boston gangsters. Yes. Yes. I had to look up what the Bechdel test was because I didn't know. Okay. I'm online, but not as much as you. Well, that's fine. But I also think that's a it's a reasonable thing to look at. And I'm going to say that. um, How many movies do we have on the list? 270 plus. Uh, I will I'll, say I'll get the exact number right now. I will say that we have no more than 10% of the movies will pass the test. I think I agree with you. Um, one of the things that has happened in the last five to 10 years, ever since the Bechdel test kind of became a thing is a lot of uh, writers, directors, studios will deliberately introduce a single interaction between two female characters in their movie so that no one can say that it didn't pass the Bechdel test. That's is that not cynical as anything? It's like the uh, it's like the Rooney rule in football. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while um, you're uh, while you're looking up how many movies we got, I'm going to do a quick synopsis about the actual characters in the movie and the comics that they came from. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in 1933 in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, they were hoping to sell it as a syndicated comic strip because comic books didn't really exist yet. They started making comics to sell to national periodical publications, which is the precursor company to DC comics. Uh, in 1935 is when they, when they started working there, uh, in 1938, they sold Superman to national for $130, uh, which is $2,700 in today's money. Uh, they later sued national and DC several times uh, for both royalties and ownership of Superman and some related characters, including Superboy till in the early, or I guess it was the late seventies uh, DC finally agreed to pay them a yearly stipend of $20,000, which later got bumped to 30 and 
that that was put in place with the understanding that they would no longer try to uh, assume ownership of the copyright of Superman and his related characters. Also, their names appear in the on the credits of every single issue of Superman, Superboy, Action Comics. It says Superman created by Siegel and Schuster, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Schuster died in 1992. Siegel died in 1996. And uh, we, we thank them for their service. Yes, yes. <laughs> um. So the list that I have has 269 movies on it. However, I need to eliminate a good chunk of them because the original list that you and I made, Sean, was intended to be for any superhero movie. And I think what we ended up deciding was that we were going to go with basically only live action comic book superhero movies so no animated stuff so we won't see oh and 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 feature so feature was the fourth fourth criteria yeah so we won't see um like the incredibles which were never a comic book to begin with and is animated which is a shame because the incredibles is a fantastic film we won't see the toxic. Well, no, actually, the Toxic Avenger was a comic, wasn't it? Yes. Um, so uh, originally, the RoboCop was not, and right. also, yeah. So RoboCop would be one that'd be like kind of on the on the cusp here. Uh, yeah. But we're trying to go with only things that were comic books first, right? Like we won't do Batman Mask of the Phantasm or. Uh, yeah. either one of the Spider-Man, Spider-Verse movies. Um, right. Again, which is a cry and shame because those are incredibly good films. Right. But they don't quite fit what we're looking for. We had originally thought maybe we won't do any of the MCU movies until Jim said, we're going to need to watch movies that are good at some point. Because <laughs> some of them yes. are, some of these on this list are just not good at all. Yes, please, please save us from ourselves. So, so let's uh, let's go through your notes, your all your your tidbits. I think I think that was pretty much all I had. Sean. Okay. Um, um, let's see. I think we've yeah, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Uh, it didn't. We have we have no idea how much money it made. We have. It did not. It was not nominated for any major awards. It didn't win any major awards. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. It was the first live action movie feature to be based on a DC character. They did have the, the early Batman and Superman serials and the, the Fleischer, uh, rotoscoped Superman animated stuff, which was really, really good. Like when they made the, uh, the Batman the animated series, the first yeah. thing the creators did was they sat down and they watched those Fleischer uh, movie or, you know, animated yes. clips because, and if you look at Batman, the animated series, it's very much based on, on what that looks like. Um, so 
Um, I have something goofy that I wanted to throw into this that I had mentioned yeah. earlier. And it's a it's a theory that I have that any movie can be better if you eliminate the entire cast except for one person and replace <laughs> everybody else in the cast with Muppets. And I'm going to call this Will It Muppet. And and I was prepared for this, so I have I have an opinion. Okay, um, go ahead with yours, and then I'll tell you what I came up with. Okay, we may have come up with the same one here. I think it's generally true that any Superman movie uh, can safely be muppetized if you make Lois Lane be the only human character. That's my that's my position. I think that the idea, especially now, I mean, this is maybe um, less true with this one and more true with um, some of the later ones. I mean, if you think about um, I almost said Karen Allen, but uh, uh, the, the, the 1980 Superman movie, um, I'll be damned. It's Margot Kidder. Yeah. You've got me. Who's got um, you? And it's, you know, Kermit the yes. Frog carrying her. Yes. Yes. Sam exactly. Eagle. Yes. I think Sam the Eagle is an excellent candidate for that. Um, but Kermit is also maybe Sam the Eagle. But when he puts his glasses on, he's Kermit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I think um, I think Lois Lane as the only human in the room uh, is always going to be funny. So that's that's where I would go. with it. Yeah, I, I actually went with Superman as the only the only human and then everybody Valid. else is Muppets. But I, I have like the mob in my head. And I have like, like the Swedish chef as the guy who rips the, the barber pole off the wall. Yeah. And, and the, uh, like the leader of the mob would have to be Gonzo the Great. Absolutely. You know, and, and when they're chasing the mole man down with the dogs or the mole man down with the dogs, like one of the dogs would have to be Rolf. I'll get him. So, um, but yeah, so it definitely, it will Muppet. It will Muppet. Yeah, yes. it will. There may be some of these that, that would not Muppet. Right. But this, uh, this one definitely would and would, I think, be improved quite a bit. By, I agree. by its muppetation. Yes. So, so, go ahead. My my list of films um, appears to have two hundred and seventeen films in it. So. We got a long way to go. We got a long way to go, but it uh, you know. One every so often. We'll yeah. get there faster than you think. Yeah. I guess you know better than I do, as you are a longtime podcaster. This episode, at least, will be uh, released on that channel. So, Oh, excellent. So uh, uh, it'll be uh, an Idiot Phil Productions production. Do you have uh, Do you have anything you want to promote that you're doing anytime soon with, with the Idiot Phil stuff? Um, we are actually, uh, we have some big news coming. Um, we've got some other shows in the works. Um, three of our shows were nominated for Best Podcast in Erie in the awesome. annual Best of Erie Awards. Um, 
814 Spotlight, which is a show about theater by people who are theater people. Um, Shaggy's House of Horrors, which is a, a horror movie podcast. And of nice. course, of course, Idiotville podcast. Um, but we haven't done a real episode since May. It's been a uh, while. Yeah. Yeah. We went on hiatus and uh, and there's some news coming with that. So um, but that's really all we've got right now. Um, hopefully yeah. some stuff coming uh, as weather cools off a little bit, but um, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too exciting. Yeah. Cool. So um, what are we going to do for the next one? Well, before we do that, should we give a rating for Superman and the mole men? Yeah. Yeah. I think we should. Okay. I, I have a number mm-hmm. between one and a hundred. That is my rating for this thing, but I want to hear yours first. Okay. Um, so I started with this as a, in my head, it was a scale of one to 10. Okay. And you said, let's do one to a hundred. So it's more like a letter grade. Um, this one to Plus me, we can, we can be more granular this way. Yeah. Yeah. So I had started with a number in my head of 30 and I okay. had, I had to take some points off. I took a point off, uh, for being able to see the zippers on the mole men costumes. <laughs> um, the, the whole sequence at the dam was yeah. another, was another point. And yeah, then yeah. the, uh, the Electrolux cannon, was another point so i'm gonna go with a 27 27 well you and i are very close here because i i on the whole gave it a 30 but i gave it a plus one for the guy ripping the barber pole off the wall presumably to beat the mole men to death with so my rating for this for this movie is 31 giving us an average rating of 29 out of 100 for this movie so it's an f it's not an f minus i guess but it's an f it's not a good movie don't don't watch it unless you think you'd enjoy the jokes that we were telling more by seeing it. You can, you can, you can skip it. Yeah. So now um, the, the next movie that we're going to watch and what we're going to do every week here or every two weeks or however often we do this damn thing uh, is we are going to pick a random number um, between uh, one and 217 uh, to see which one we do and uh, which one we do next. And in case you're curious, these are ordered uh, by year of release um, and then by the name of the film. So number one is Superman and the Mole Man. And in case you're curious, number 217 is The Flash. Okay. The Ezra Miller vehicle. Um so, Sean, do you want to use uh, some kind of random number generator website to pick a number between one and two hundred seventeen? Yes. Or do you have a Do you have a two hundred seventeen sided die? One hundred fourteen. One hundred fourteen. Number one hundred fourteen on this list is a two thousand eleven movie based on a Marvel Comics character, but it's not the one you want it to be. It's Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Is that the second one? 
I, I I don't know. I think so. It might be the first. I can now. There's a 2007 Ghost Rider film. This is the sequel to the 2007 Ghost Rider film, as I understand it. And uh, what an exciting time this will be for us. I, I'm going to have to watch the first one just so that I, I, I'm up I to the, speed on the second one. I have the funny feeling you're not going to need the context from the first one, but I haven't, I've never seen this movie. So uh good excuse to watch it. We, we came in by the way, with 114, we came between Captain America, the first Avenger, which is one of my favorite movies and the Ryan Reynolds, green lantern. Thank which, God it wasn't Green Lantern. Uh, but that would have been fun to review. We'll we'll get it next time. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess that's going to wrap it up for the first episode of Fan Service. Um, let us know what you think um, in the, like, rate us or, or, you know, if you know us, because only people that know us are probably going to listen to this first one. That's um, probably true. Let us know what you think. We'll set up an email address or something or, you know, an Instagram or whatever for uh, for comments. But uh, thank you so much for listening. If you stayed to the end um, and we will see you next time when we when we review Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. God help us. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody.